Welcome to the Your House, My House podcast. Our goal is to create a safe space for conversation, like like talking talking to your your best friends. Friends that have your back, that are encouraging, and that challenge you to not only improve your life, but yourself. Welcome back to the Your House, My House podcast. I am Madison. I'm Priscilla. I'm so happy to have you here joining us today. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about how far we have come um, since this podcast, just in terms of, I think it's been a little over a year, but like, I was doing some decluttering in my basement and I was just thinking about all the things that I've learned about decluttering and minimalism, even though I wouldn't describe myself as a minimalist and all those things. And I'm like, wow, Madison and me have just really, we just really literally talked about everything. And all- we have, you know, if you think back on all the conversations we've had, it's, there's a plethora of info. And what I think is really great is Every single day, every single month, every single week, every single year, we are constantly growing. And the fact that, you know, a a year later, we are very different people than where we were even just a year ago or a month ago. And that all of these experiences, um, you know, throughout our life are allowing us to grow. But at the same time, say we come back to having the conversation of decluttering a few months later, it will be a totally different conversation because by that point we will have experienced different experiences and we will be at a different place in our life. And I think that's something that's very unique about um, podcasting and having topics to talk about is they're not just a one and done thing. I think that you can revisit them really truly at any point in your life you know because you are changing you're not I'm not the same person I was yesterday and I'm not the same person I was a week ago a month ago a year ago so I just find that to be very um it's very exciting you know to know that we can still come back and revisit some of the conversations that we've had and maybe our opinions on them have changed maybe we have different viewpoints Maybe um, we've gotten better at something that we touched on, you know, that sort of thing just makes me very excited. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so much, so many ways to grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Long pause. Long pause. So I am excited slash not sure how we're going to delve into um, this next portion. Um, I know we're going to kind of continue the conversation in relation to spiritual things. So I think that's the direction that we'll try to go. But... It's also kind of hard. It's hard for me to tell like my spiritual story without like feeling that I need to explain all this backstory to give context. Mm -hmm. Um, But hopefully you and the listeners um, 
are beginning to kind of get a sense of like what's going on and like the trajectory. So maybe if I say some of these things, you won't be like, pause, explain that. But if there's a moment, Madison, where you're like, okay, I totally am not. And we need to go off on a rabbit trail. We will go off on that rabbit trail and we will come back. (laughs) Sounds good. I'll go off on a rabbit trail. All right. The big thing that I think I should mention moving from 11 to 12, um, just in the trajectory of the overall story, is that year 12 um, is kind of like my last year in Krakow. Um, mm-hmm. And the family makes the big move to Surrey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah. So kind of a big, like, year for me, um, kind of like a changing of who I was or, like, the community, I guess. Like, I don't know. Krakow is unincorporated. Surring is a town of 500. So (laughs) you imagine how much of actual difference it was. But it was a big deal to me because I'm a very sentimental person and I'd only ever lived in one place. Right. Um, I love that. I think it's a Miranda Lambert song. Um, How's that built me? Yes. I love that song. It's such a sweet song. Yeah. And so like my first house, I have like so many good memories, so many like little childhood memories. Like, so that little ranch house is my little house and memory from that because of my childhood memories I don't feel attached to my house in Surrey at all in fact um I think one of the things to say moving um kind of from like maybe the heavy note that we left um last episode on um which talked about um yeah, just like even we ended on a memory that was like traumatic for me that I blocked out until when I was 17. Um, but so many good memories, like playing with my siblings and stuff. Um, the cats that lived under our playhouse, the feral cats that we tamed, you know. Um, and I have... Like, I'm sentimental towards that, but, like, I have no attachment to my parents' house in Surrey. In fact, every time I walk in there, I feel like it's become less and less over the years. Um, But, like, my most recent time there, I felt a little bit more detached because I used to feel like I was going back, like, going back into the house would make me feel like, a really insecure teenager um and now i now i don't really feel that anymore but it almost feels like ghosty to me like i have no good memories it's all pain and so like all my good memories happen outside and inside is all like bad memories for me so um anyway that was the big move. Um, 
And when we moved, um, I don't know how much I've shared about Raymond and me, um, but when we moved that September, I had just turned 13. Um, and um, Raymond and his grandma came knocking on our front porch. Um, and they invited us to their church. Um, there's so much more that I could say. There's so many more nuances, but we are going to try to keep the trajectory. Like I could say so much about that interaction. And obviously I could gush over Raymond, although I was not gushing over him then. <laughs> um, but there's, let's move on we're trying to stay on the path of like spiritual abuse and talking about that. So we went to this church, which is actually kind of like kitty corner from the house that we had built and moved into. So it was, you know, um, his grandma came to invite us for Awana, which is the kids youth group. So Wednesday night, we went to Wanawana. Um, it was interesting because when I think my mom dropped us off and then, you know, then you come back and pick them up. When she came back to pick us up, one of the parents of one of the kids um, was smoking outside of the church. Okay. Um, so my mom and my dad were pretty upset about that. Yeah. Um, and so, um, the church actually decided to put up a no smoking sign outside of the church. Personally, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, because I'm like, it's whatever, but that feels a little bit judgy, mm -hmm. but, um, they actually put it up, um, but my parents still didn't come back. So it was just kind of like checked it out and then they didn't come back. Um, so then when, let's see, when I was 14, we went to section eight. Um, and section eight is Baptist church up in like pound. Okay. Um, like, yeah, the Coleman Pound area. And it's actually where the church where Raymond's grandma originally went to when she was a little girl. Fun oh, fact. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we went there. Um, and at this point in my life, I had almost become detached from developing any relationships with anyone in the church because I knew we weren't going to be there long. Um, I coined the term that best described what I had experienced at Jilla Baptist and knew was going to happen again at section eight, which is church hopping, which means we'd be there as long as mom thought it was good for us to, um, get a little, um, Christian education or whatever. And then as soon as mom felt people were getting to know her or was uncomfortable, um, or maybe she wouldn't have been able to continue her facade. Um, 
we'd pull out. Um, Mm -hmm. So sure enough, that happened with Section 8. Um, And yeah, that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Then that Christmas, um, the December of me for, or wait, yeah, the December that I was 15. So like a following like year and a half later, mm-hmm. um, my mom didn't want to go back to section eight. Um, I have a memory of the people from section eight, like dropped off what it was probably from something like Ruby's pantry or something. Um, so I think the feeling for us all was that they assumed that we were poor or because there was um, seven kids that there was just so many mouths to feed or whatever. But um, my mom, I don't think took that well. And I thought it was weird too, but they, I guess they were just trying to like be nice or extend an invitation. I don't know, but it felt odd. Mm-hmm. Um, mom didn't want to go back to section eight. Um, Oh, also something I should add. Um, I, when we, the year we were at section eight, I did want to get baptized. They had offered, um, baptism and, um, like I said, I had gotten saved around 11. So I knew this was something that I wanted to do. I knew baptism was important, um, to like, to my dad and it was important to me. Um, but mom was like, Priscilla, you don't really understand what that is. You don't really know. Um, and like, I was kind of infuriated by that, Mm -hmm. that I wasn't allowed to get baptized because of that. Um, but, um, anyway, that was age 14, age 15, we decided to go back to the church that we're currently a part of which is, or Raymond and me got married and I should say, because Raymond and me now go to a church in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to Maple Valley Community Church. Uh, we were in the Christmas play because um, we went just before Christmas, so I think like in November or something. Um, and then... Yeah, so we started in like November. We're in the Christmas play, continue to go through that spring. Um, July 3rd of that year, um, I got baptized. Um, And also Raymond got baptized. So Raymond and me got baptized on the same day. Um, Kind of ironic. Um, was I don't know like something like clicked like that day too as well as like Raymond and me because before that I like I remember even in baptism class like thinking I just had some like negative thoughts towards him he answered one of the questions in baptism class wrong and I was like you don't know that yeah I was just very like um about that but then um yeah towards like the end of the day that we got baptized um I kind of was starting to develop like a little crush on him and then um the following 
the 4th of July, um, the next day we went to, or I went to the 4th of July party at his parents. Definitely had a crush on him that day. I remember. Um, anyway, so my family is still going to church, um, at Maple Valley community church. And then, um, in September, just as like the teenage youth group and stuff would keep going. This is towards like summer. Um, have I got this? Towards summer, um, things started like fizzling. Like shortly after I got baptized, things started fizzling with my mom. Um, I remember just like intense hatred towards my mother-in-law. Um, she would say some pretty mean things, um, about her and just like the other women in the church. Um, and she really didn't want to go anymore. Someday she would, someday she wouldn't. Um, I wanted to go and dad wanted to go. Um, the sisters wouldn't go. And mom wouldn't let the little boys go, but dad would drag my other brother. So it was the oldest girl and the oldest boy dad took to church. Um, and um, yeah, so we were doing that for a while. And then, you know, mom was kind of irritated about it. We always had to be back right after church. Mm -hmm. um, or she would be kind of like paranoid. Yeah. Um, and then one day we stayed for the potluck after church. This was like in September sometime. And um, I knew. Um, I think deep down my dad did too. Um, but it was like we were walking into like kind of like a verbal volcano just like so much anger and just like um accusatory things that my mom said towards my dad um and um it was also kind of hard for me because that was like um the last time that I saw Raymond <laughs> And I'd been crushing on him for a few months. Um, but that was that. That was the end. Um, none of us were going to be going to church. Um, and so we didn't. So I kept wanting to go to church. Um, shortly after, like, the same day that it happened or whatever, I had a conversation with my dad. And I was like, dad, why don't you just go to church? Like, why can't we still go to church? Or at least why can't I still go to like the youth group? Like I wanted to hang out with the other teens. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad said, Priscilla, I have to put my wife above the church. And I just want to say that I thought this at 16 and I think this a decade later, I think that you absolutely should not. I know that there are religious cults where religion is twisted. I believe religion was twisted right in my home, that my home 
was like a cult. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that, I just think that that's wrong respectfully. And this um, may rub feminists the wrong way, though I hope not because I would consider myself a feminist and for women's rights. Um, I think there's so much we still have to do in equality. Um, but I think from a biblical perspective, um, that it's just not good to be like, biblically, it's God, the man, the woman, like that's the structure. Um, like you have to put God first, like God has to rule your life, not your wife. Um, but from like, if that rubs the wrong way or that doesn't make sense, then I will say it this way. You can't make your life purpose making someone else happy. Like that can't be your life purpose. It can't be the compass that you run your life around. Um, that's very like, codependent or tangled up um in someone and it's not just men or women if what i said um rubs someone the wrong way um a woman's sole purpose i don't think should be just her husband like her relationship with god should matter and like ultimately if you're a christian like i just don't think you should put your spouse above god ever I agree. Like, I agree. They, they never like male or female, they don't belong above God. So, um, so there was no church. Um, I continued asking, I got a job when I was 17. Um, And then continued the year I was 17, like I got my job in September and then all through winter, spring, kept asking if I could go back to church. Um, I was involved in 4-H, but like, I also thought that church was very important. Um, And finally, the thing that he kept saying to me was, what is everyone going to think if you're going to church and we're not? And that's the whole thing. It was all about what other people would think. Like they wanted to create, <coughs> I say that they, because my dad at this point was just kind of going along with everything. Um, but certainly my mom, my mom's concern was what other people thought like if they would think that if Priscilla was going to church well then the rest of her family must not be but if I wasn't going to church well then they could be going to church somewhere else so it was this illusion Mm -hmm. of like we no accountability to anyone um and I think this of like abusers um and families like in part of the isolation is you don't want to 
my experience as a child is my parents didn't want to be held accountable to anyone for where they were um, or what they're doing. And I think in Christianity, accountability is so important um, to just like building community, like just kind of like knowing the people that you're hanging out with that are part of your um, church group. Um, So Oh, it doesn't look like it worked. When it comes down to it, um, we were homeschooled. Um, The state was not involved in any way in our lives. The only person who could have caught the dysfunction um, perhaps corrected it. And when I say corrected it, I'm not placing responsibility on anyone. But when you're outside of the state and what the state will do, um, really, I think church, Christianity, faith um, has higher standards, ideally, um, in parenting um, and in the care and love of our fellow humans than even the state does. So, like, the state or the court isn't going to recognize emotional abuse but your church leader could point that out hey is the way you're talking to someone loving like what are you doing and I think having people who have those conversations with you I know you asked one time about like the friendship aspect but having those conversations is important and can help um but you have to be open to having those conversations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so finally I was allowed to go to church I don't know if I just like wore them out or what um but shortly before my 18th birthday I just kept saying like it's gonna be a month before I turn 18 why does it matter if I go now or wait a month so um I think roughly close to a month before I turned 18, I was allowed to go back to church. Um, and I continued to, um, or how do I put this? Sure enough, I dealt with people asking about where my family was. Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh, where are your mom and dad? And, um, The wording that I found, um, maybe this will be useful for someone, I don't know. When we are going through something like this and we're not, we don't want, we live with the people. We don't want to blow our slash their cover. Um, The wording I found was, I don't know, like they're adults, you can ask them. Like, I just was not, if anyone asked me about where my parents were, I was not going to take on responsibility of explaining to them where my parents were. I don't know. You can ask them. Um, yeah, and that was, that was good. 
um I was maybe like a month or two of that and then like people just accepted it I was just there this was what it was and um they accepted me as like my own little person and stopped asking about my family um I had a similar experience um use the same words when I um met with my mother's family um and they asked about where my mom and dad were I was like I don't know they haven't been coming for the last 20 years or more don't know don't know what to tell you did you really think they were going to show up with me you know what I mean so church was good um but at that point I think I'm 18 so I think that's kind of where I'm at with that in regards to church um another thing that would be useful to share in regards to spiritual is that um the pastor that baptized me um and his wife when I was when I was 15 um I really liked them um and I think it was mutual um I certainly think um they did a great job of like taking care of their um flock so to speak of their church um and they um which I'm forever grateful for um included me as part of that even when I was going through all this turmoil so um I I think I like hit a rare gem there because the conversation that I have had past 18, the conversation that I have had with church leaders around abuse and around what should happen with children Mm -hmm. um, in abuse and like the church's role in that um, have not been like, I guess, like in alignment with the way that I was treated by these two people. So um, like I said, every day really felt like hell, like probably from like 13 up. I mean, I got my period young, I think, I think I was maybe like 10, <clears throat> maximum 11, probably 10 when I got my period. Um, but I got teased a lot by my mom about like when I was going to turn 13 um she said that 13 was gonna change me or whatever but like the thing about it is is like when I had told the broom story um I didn't remember this and wouldn't remember it until I was 17 about the broom story so like when my siblings asked me well Priscilla how come you don't get spanked anymore I was like I don't know I just don't like and I think my body knew that it was because of my size, but like I said, I don't know. I just don't get spanked anymore. Um, but you know, so like I think there was like between when that happened around eleven to like when I turned thirteen, like in those two years, like things really started ramping up, and then for me, it just felt like 
hitting 13, this magical number, like my mom's verbal attacks were just nonstop. Like I was her primary target. Um, she divided my siblings against me. Um, it was like, I don't know. It was just every day. I didn't want to be around her. I, she was my teacher. She, you know, I had to, she homeschooled me. Um, she tried to stop me from doing stuff like, so thankfully my dad allowed me to do 4-H and stuff, but it was just this constant fight between us constantly. <coughs> Sorry. I think my sweater fibers might be giving me like a ticklish throat. <laughs> I don't right. know. Um, anyway, after I had met the pastor and his wife, um, and this had been going on for like at least two solid years. Um, when I got my driver's license, um, I was 16 and a half when I got my driver's license. Um, Remy had his driver's license before me, which I was upset about. I was like, he's got his driver's license. What do I got to do to get my driver's license? I was their first homeschooled child. They didn't know where they had to send me or how this whole process would go. Um, once I got my driver's license and my truck, um, I would have these fights with my mom almost every single day. I tried not to go to their place <clears throat> every day, but I swear it felt like I was at my pastor and his wife's house. <clears throat> <clears throat> what is wrong with me? Girl, I don't know. It has to be the sweater or something. <laughs> it's just like this oh little ticklish fiber. It feels like something's like floating in the back of my throat. Uh, I'm going to have to edit this episode. <laughs> I don't want to do all this editing. <clears throat> it felt like I was at... Um, my pastor and his wife's house at least five times a week um, between 16 and 18, which like when I think about that, I'm like, that's insane. I don't know if it just felt that way. I don't know if it really was. But like if someone was my, at my house right now, five times a day crying or five times a week crying, like boy, I better have a servant heart and be as close to Jesus as possible because two years of that would just, it's a lot, yeah. Yeah. a lot to deal with. Um, but usually what would happen is I would um, have a fight with my mom. I couldn't back down from the fight or just like suck it up because I just feel like I don't think of myself as a very confrontational person now, but like, if you push me, I will snap and I never want to fight with my mom. Um, but if I got riled up enough, we would scream at each other. And finally she would say something painful enough for me to just quit caring, but I couldn't leave until I quit caring and was just streaming tears. 
So then I would get in my truck and I would just drive away. Um, I did this for two years. So um, I made spare sets, at least two spare sets of keys to my truck in case they ever tried to take my keys away. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I just, that truck was like my lifeline. And um, the pastor and his wife were, um a lifeline because I felt like I was going crazy I thought that there must be something wrong with me why couldn't I just make it work um and they encouraged me over and over Priscilla just walk away (laughs) and I could not um but ultimately um they were people that just sat and listened and held space for my pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't preach at me. And I have to say that that is incredibly rare um, and something I haven't experienced since. Mm-hmm. around christian people mm-hmm. um maybe more so with like christian women my age like you um but definitely not i think we talked about this earlier like one of the first or second podcast episodes on this topic about the experience and backlash i've gotten from christian christian women my mother's age mm-hmm. um there's just like a lot, lot of um, not understanding. Um, so um, I count that as like a very special time um, that I feel like I'm extremely blessed to have had that time to like cry on their couch. And I can't imagine how many Kleenex boxes they handed me. I would always, <laughs> this is one of my memories. It's always so upset when they handed me the Kleenex box, I was like, damn it. I just wanted to tell them and like, not just be a flood of tears. And it would inevitably happen that there would just be too many tears and I'd have to have a tissue box. Um, yeah. So that's that, that's my experience up to 18. I think with that, um, I do want to say that there were subtler ways that my mom tried to make me um, like not just feel insane, but like call me evil. Um, She loved quoting this Bible verse um, that men love the darkness because their deeds are evil. Um, She loved quoting that Bible verse to me because I loved the nighttime because it was peaceful um, Mm -hmm. for me. Like I just felt it was quiet and like my anxiety kind of went away, which I know might sound like a weird thing to say, but Mm -hmm. I just felt that peace. Like there wasn't going to be anything more at the end of the day. Um, Yeah. Um, I have a lot of Bible knowledge from like being homeschooled and like our curriculum had um, Bible reading 
um, and then Bible as like a elective in high school kind of a thing or like part of the curriculum. So um, I had a lot of like head knowledge that I guess like kind of helped me in that. Um, my mom always read the Bible every single day both my mom and my dad did um my mom would come out of her office after reading the bible and it was always something she could pin on us i swear it was like the bible never convicted her of herself she could always say oh this this is the way dad's being or something she could use Bible verses um, to say that dad is being a bad person or she would use Bible verses on us. Um, but it's like it never convicted her. Like she never shared, this is where I feel like God's growing me. It was always judgment on us. So in that way, I do feel like that was a form of spiritual abuse that I think a lot of cult leaders, like this is like little family cult, but like in big generalizations, um, do yeah. that they twist scripture for their own gain, for their own power. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, so many things. Is there anything else you want to share, Ab, before we say goodbye to our listeners? I think that's that. I think that covers, um, for me, the spiritual aspects of those years. Well, thank you again, Priscilla, for this entire, I guess, mini-series, for sharing your story, for being brave, and just truly being a light for somebody else out there that... Um, is could possibly be going through the same thing so thank you it's very PC and choppy um because like I don't feel like I've ever shared it in this like long of a format but thank you for listening thank you and thank you listeners for listening to us did this resonate with you subscribe to our podcast today talk, talk soon. soon so your house next week yes can't wait <laughs>